This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. I'm just so glad that you're here tonight as we, we reflect on one of the most significant events in history for many of us in the room, the death of Jesus Christ. You know, throughout history, and even for every person in this room, we will all face death. And I find it interesting that, well, throughout history, we might remember people who've died even decades or centuries ago, but usually their influence becomes minimized over time. But there's one whose life still impacts our lives today, and that's Jesus Christ. And there's something special about a service like this. And I think about even the words Good Friday. Good about somebody dying? Yes, there's something good about Jesus and that he died for us. We come together tonight to celebrate. And I wanna start off tonight by reading a scripture. And it's right out of the John chapter 19. And if you've got your Bible, you might wanna open it up. It's the, the fourth of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you're new tonight and you don't have a Bible, do not worry a bit. We're gonna have it right on the screen for you that you can follow along with us. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible and you would like one as you leave today, there's going to be some Bibles out in the back that are gift to you free of charge. We'd love every person here to have a Bible. But John was a, was a witness to everything that happened at the end of Jesus' life. And I want to read a few different verses, and it starts right in verse 1. It says, Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. And the soldiers, they wove a crown of thorns, and they put it on his head and they put a, a purple robe on him. Hail, king of the Jews, they mocked, and they slapped him across the face. Verse 17, and so they took Jesus away and carrying the cross by himself, he went to a place called Place of the Skull, or in the Hebrew, it's called Golgotha. And there they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side of him and Jesus between them. Can you imagine that day? Verse 28, it says that Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there and so they soaked a sponge in it and put it on a hyssop branch and they held it up to his lips. And when Jesus had tasted it, he said, if you've got your Bible, I want you to mark these three words. It is finished. Three words that are small in size. They can seem almost insignificant, but as we're going to discover tonight, those three words have impact on so many of our lives tonight. It is finished. And then he bowed his head and he released his spirit. Tonight we're, we're stopping and we're thinking about the cross. Martin Luther said this, the cross alone is our theology and a cross for many people today has become a symbol and it's in our buildings, it's on our churches. Some of us wear it around our neck as a, a necklace, maybe even a piece of jewelry. But for those of us that have asked Christ to be the Lord of our life, it represents something far greater than a piece of jewelry. It's a declaration of our sin and our need for a savior. It's a declaration that we needed somebody to pay the price for us because we couldn't pay for it ourselves. And the cross reminds us of the gospel that's shown through the sin and the, the darkness that we lived in to bring us into a relationship with God, the creator, who desires us to be his children. But the cross is also 
a place in time that Jesus encountered. The cross is where a transaction occurred. A specific work was accomplished. A payment was made. It was a moment in time, but it would affect all the rest of time for humanity. And it's a place, if I could say it this way, it's a place where some unfinished business was finished. The cross. Every one of us have unfinished things in our life. I remember when I began to allow my son to mow the lawn. I remember coming home that first time and he only mowed half the lawn and didn't have the energy to mow the rest of it. And there's something that drives me crazy. It's an unfinished lawn mowing job. We kind of laugh, but we have unfinished things in our life, unfinished uh, book that maybe you've started, but you've never finished. How about an email or a phone call where somebody's called you and you've not gotten back to them and there's this kind of pressure that comes into our life when something's unfinished. But those are kind of minor compared to probably some of the things that are more serious that we leave unfinished in our life. Maybe some of us in the room have unfinished business with relationships that have been broken for whatever reason and they've never come back together. There's an unfinished piece of our life. How about maybe opportunities that you realize you miss and they only come once in a lifetime and, and you, didn't, you didn't step out for whatever reason and now you realize that there's something unfinished in your life that, that you'd hoped was gonna happen but now it never will or unfinished dreams maybe even that you have. All of us have them. There's not a person in the room at the end of their life will be able to stand and say, I accomplished everything in life that I started out to do except one. Jesus Christ. And with three little words, he, he declares to us what he's done for us, what he's doing for us, and what he continues to do for us in those three little words. It is finished. Only Jesus could say those words and they would have impact for the rest of eternity. And I want you to stop and think about that day for a moment. Here we are on Good Friday and we stop and we reflect on what Christ did for us. Can you imagine what that day 2,000 years ago was like. It was a Friday in Jerusalem and outside the city walls, outside the Damascus Gate, on a place called Skull Hill, there was a road that went by that people came into the city and left the city by. It was a, a common route that was traveled by many people and it's getting to be that time in the morning where they're going to crucify three men that day. Two criminals that maybe most of the city knew of because usually crucifixion was reserved for the most heinous of crimes. They would actually crucify people right on the main road because they wanted it to affect the masses. They believed, the Romans did, that if they showed a, an unbelievable amount of torture and punishment that it would cause others to stay away from that kind of decisions and behavior. But this one day, there's also a man named Jesus of Nazareth who only days ago was being celebrated as he entered into the city and now here he is about to be crucified. Crucifixion in the ancient world usually meant that someone was going to be nailed to a tree or to a cross. It was one of the most brutal forms of, of death and, and while there was different ways they could do it, it was, usually, it was usually a person being nailed to a tree or to a cross. I can't imagine even as I've studied this what it was like and, and yet it didn't start with the nailing, it started with usually that person being chained to a post. Two soldiers on either side whipping him. And as we read in the scripture, can you imagine 
lead tips on a, a leather whip. It's often said in history that they would tie bone of animal in there and what would start to be a few lashes would pretty soon begin to destroy a person's flesh. He said that a human would not look recognizable at the end of just the scourging. Jesus went willingly to this. What a somber moment to stop and think about all that he did for us. But it didn't stop there. In fact, they would take that that criminal, that person being crucified that day, when they would load onto their back a crossbeam. They would load on the very beam and they actually carried their own instrument of death outside the city walls. And Jesus, as we know, carried that until the results of his whipping was so catastrophic, they forced another man to carry that beam until they got to Golgotha. They would have laid him on the ground and they would have nailed his hands to a post. Can you imagine? In our humanity today, we cannot imagine what that would be like, and yet it was what he willingly went towards. And there they would have picked him up with two large poles and would have placed him about seven feet off the ground. And then they would have nailed his feet to the bottom of that tree. And there, on that cross, Jesus began a journey. It says it was nine o'clock in the morning. And for three hours, I'm sure that to the soldiers, everything seemed normal. They've seen this crucifixion dozens, if not hundreds of times. And they probably knew what would happen just by watching those victims. And for three hours, it seemed like nothing out of the ordinary. And then the Bible tells us at 12 o'clock sharp, there was a darkness that came. Not a darkness like we're used to in the Northwest. We're used to dark clouds and storms. This darkness, I don't know if you could have seen more than a few feet. It would almost be like a science fiction movie where there was a heaviness, an ominous darkness to it. Everybody took notice because the day became night. And it says it was dark until three o'clock. Those soldiers standing around, I can imagine the one glancing at Jesus and realizing he's not going to last much longer. And in the middle of all this darkness, they see his body quivering, his, his body reacting to the the, the brutality it's encountered already and suddenly Jesus, he shouts something. My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Quoting the prophet in the Psalms 22. And in that moment, can you be, imagine being fully God and yet fully human and the entire sin of the world of all time would come upon him. And let's not forget it's your sin and my sin even today that nailed Jesus to the cross. He recognized the separation from his father because of while he lived a sinless life, he took our sin upon him and he felt the separation from God, his father. And moments passed and his breathing became more laborious and, and suddenly he shows his humanity and he says, I am thirsty. And in that moment of his humanity, the soldier reaches across and they've got a sponge on the end of a, a rod and they give him vinegar and it says in the scripture that as it touched his lips, he drank it. Imagine that soldier thinking, this man's not got much time left. And then Jesus, he says one last word. As he gurgles his last breath, he says, it is finished. And it says, he gave up his spirit. And there's something special about that word. It's a Greek word that 
has a unique meaning and I, I didn't know it until I began to look at it and, and it's a word that means to bring to an end, to complete or to accomplish something. It's the successful end of a course of action. It'd be like if you set out to climb Mount Everest and you endured all the preparation and all the, all the bringing together of the supplies and you endured the, the harshness of that culture and you can imagine as you climb to the pinnacle of the world's tallest mountain and you looked across the land and you would say, it is finished, I accomplished it. But for this accomplishment, it had something even greater. And we look into that word a little bit deeper, it is finished. And it actually means something that was completed in the past, but continues in the present. You could say Jesus in his final words could have said this, it is finished in the past, it is finished for you in the present, and it will remain finished for you in the future. It is finished for all time and it will never stop being finished for you. You know what? Jesus left nothing unfinished when he gave up his life. And I have to say to you today, I'm thankful. The reason today is Good Friday is because Easter Sunday comes just around the corner. We aren't serving a dead God. We're not serving the man who died and never rose again. We have given our life for those of us in the room who believe to a man who gave his life willingly for our sins and yet he will rise again in just a matter of days. But when you think about his final words, it is finished. I ask myself, what was finished? One of the psalmists, in Psalms 103, he said this, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Never forget his benefits for he forgives all of my sins and he heals all of my diseases. And we think of just a single sickness or illness, but that word means so much more when we look at it. And I believe what was finished when we look at scripture is the price that for my physical and emotional healing was paid. Stop and think about that for a moment. Dylan said it earlier that Jesus gave body, soul, and spirit that we might be whole, body, soul, and spirit. Jesus, he paid a price. As Dylan read a little earlier in Isaiah, I want you to listen for a moment and I want you to personalize this. Surely he took your pain and my pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for my and your transgression. He was crushed for your and my iniquities. The punishment that was brought to him brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. He gave his life willingly that we might have life. He took brokenness that we might have wholeness. And I have to be honest with you, at times it's still hard for me to believe that Jesus would die for me because I know what I am like deep inside. And yet he died for all of us, even when we were far from him. But not only did he pay the price for our healing, he paid the price of sin, and it was paid in full. Remember John the Baptist? He, he saw Jesus the first time, and he said this, the Lamb of God, here he comes. Here's the Lamb of God who takes away all the sins of the world. How did he take away our sins? By encountering the cross. I'm so glad that he said these words. Father, I wish this could pass from me, but I want your will, not my will. 
And because he surrendered his will, he willingly went to a place that paid for our sin in the completeness of everything we need. You think about that thought, he paid it in full. Have you ever been through a, a Starbucks and you're in the drive-thru and you go up to, to get your coffee and the barista says to you, uh, the car in front of you already paid for it. There's, there's nothing you need to pay for. Here's your coffee. What do we usually do with that? We usually tend to say, no, it's okay. I, I, they shouldn't have done that. I don't know them. I, that, that doesn't make any sense. And we feel like we need to pay for it again, don't we? And I think it's kind of like that with when we encounter Jesus. It would be ridiculous for us to pay for that coffee again, but why is it that we feel we need to continually pay for our sins when somebody already paid the price in full for you and I? And the beauty of what Jesus did was he paid that price in full. So here's my question. If Jesus said, it is finished, and he paid the price for wholeness in our life, and he paid the price for us to live in freedom of sin, then let me ask you a question. What is keeping any of us from that relationship with God today? What debt do you have that you feel like Jesus can't pay for you? I look at my life, you may look at yours, and I, I think about how I looked at God when I was younger. And I looked at God every time I would come to God and my brokenness or my failure. And I always sensed that God had a stamp that said not good enough or rejected or been here and done that before, we're not doing it again. Do you know when I look at scripture and Jesus said, it is finished, you know what he's really saying? We bring to him our anger, he says paid in full. We bring to him our sin, he says, Jesus paid it in full. When we bring to him our brokenness, when we bring to him the broken relationships, when we bring to him our poor decisions that we're still living, even with the ramifications of, we come to Jesus and he, he stamps it and he says, that sin, I paid for it in full. And it tells me this, my salvation and yours is complete. It's not paid for in part. Can we say amen to that? Amen. It wasn't that he's, he's just done a piece of it. He paid it in completeness. The work was accomplished. The sacrifice was complete. It was done at that time and never needs to be done again. Because the sinless son of God willingly came and gave his life for you and for me, even when he knew how broken we were. And it also tells me that my debt is fully paid. I'm so glad God doesn't put us on a payment plan with salvation. I am so thankful he doesn't say, I'm gonna give you 25% salvation. You work out the next 25 and we'll see where we go from there. Instead, he said, it is finished. Come on, say it with me. It is finished. He took care of it all. He did it all. And there's nothing else that you and I need to do. And I'm gonna ask you a question as I have the band come back to the platform. And here's my question. If Jesus has already done everything that is needed, and we have two decisions as we sit in this room. We can accept that or we can reject that. Paul, who was an apostle, but we forget sometimes where he started out. 
a brutalizer of the gospel, a murderer, one who hated so passionately that he, he went after to kill every person he could that he declared Jesus was the risen Messiah. And when he came to a place of understanding who Jesus was, this is what he said, God saved us by his grace when we believed. And you can't take credit for it, for it is a gift from God. And I want to ask you today, would you believe and receive what Jesus said? It is finished. The healing that you need in your life, body, soul, spirit, the forgiveness of sin that, that only you really know goes how deep in your heart or your life. Jesus did it all 2,000 years ago when he encountered the brutality of a cross that was ultimately God's plan to bring redemption to you and I. Good Friday, it seems crazy to call a day like this where we recognize a crucifixion a good day, but it's a good day because we see the love of God through the suffering of Jesus. And never let us take for granted what Jesus did for us. Today, I wanna, I wanna speak to three groups of people. Number one, if you're a follower of Jesus, and I wanna ask you tonight to not take for granted what Jesus did for us. It's a somber night. It is kind of somber because we recognize he gave everything for us so that we could have everything in him. And if you're a believer tonight, it is a night to thank God for sending his son for you. And if you're in the room tonight and maybe you've, you've received that gift somewhere, but whether it's through your, your life took a turn or relationships got bad or sin just seemed to got a hold of you and you know there's distance between you and the God of creation. My invitation to you tonight is would you trust, would you believe and would you receive again? Because the work that he did there is still enough for you tonight if you need to come back to Jesus. And last, I'm, I'm praying there are people in the room tonight that you've not yet had an encounter with, with the living God. That Jesus is drawing you to him tonight. I can hear some of you in your head saying, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know my past. You don't know how broken it is. Do you know all I can say to you is, it is finished when you come to Jesus. It was finished then, it's finished now, it's finished for you for tomorrow. The reason you can have a tomorrow is because of what he did then. And I wanna say to you, if you trust him, if you dare to believe him like Paul, you'll receive a gift that will change you for the rest of your life. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Tonight, we're gonna take communion in just a few moments. But before we do, I don't wanna let a moment pass for those second two groups of people. Those that would say, I've, I've opened that gift before, but somehow I've walked away. There's separation between me and God. I don't, I don't know how it happened, or maybe you even do, but you feel that God's tugging at your heart tonight. Or maybe you've, you've never even been in church before and you're not sure what all that means, but you might be feeling something. And even inside you, it might feel like an emotion you've never had before. I want you to know 
That's not you. It's God's spirit working inside of you, letting him know how much he loves you. And tonight in this room, people are bowing their heads because this isn't even a moment between you and me. It's between you and God. I'm not gonna ask you to step out of your seat. I'm not gonna ask you to do any other thing except this one thing. Would you just respond to God tonight? By just lifting your hand right now and saying, that's me. I need to come back to Jesus or I need to come to Jesus and I need, I need a new start. I need to know it is finished. My past is finished and I can have a new tomorrow. And I'm asking you right now, would you just slip up your hand wherever you're at? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to do anything, but I wanna pray for you tonight. Come on. I'm just gonna wait a moment because I believe, just keep that up for a moment. People are, are praying for you. And God sees every single hand in every single section. And I, I see most of them up all around the, the room tonight, but God sees every single one of them. Father, tonight I pray for every hand that is raised. I pray for every single person who's in this room tonight saying, Jesus, I need forgiveness of my sin. I need a new start. I, I need you to come and to change my life. And I pray tonight, Father, that you would encounter them in such a way that their life would be changed forever because Jesus of what you did on the cross. We thank you for your goodness and your love. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.